This podcast. Before we get into the episode, just a quick thing. So I've decided to change my release schedule to every two weeks instead of every week. This is for a couple reasons. First, because COVID is kind of under control um, in New Zealand, at least for the, you know, for ever, hopefully, people are starting to get busier. It's not getting harder to book people um, at all. People are still very, very um, generous with their time and and still really excited to be on the podcast, but people's schedules are getting busier, and that means that people have less time to come on the podcast. So that's one reason. The second reason is I was experiencing a little bit of burnout um, and a little bit of kind of lack of motivation. The nature of this podcast is that I'm talking to someone over Zoom and the finished product that you hear is two sides of a conversation edited together to make it sound like it's we're in the same room. Um, and that takes quite a bit of editing. So, And also my kind of goal with the podcast is for it to be a very professional sounding podcast. And that means editing out pauses, um, you know, ums and ahs, as you just heard there. Um, and just making it sound super professional that takes quite a bit of editing to do that long story short I was kind of running out of motivation to actually sit down and do that editing so I think making it every two weeks will um, mitigate that and we'll be off to the races the second thing I wanted to say is that I'm going to change the release day from Friday to Tuesday and that'll give me some time of the weekend and Monday as well to do all that editing, to polish it, and to get it out on Tuesday. So, all of this to say, the next episode will be out on Tuesday the 18th at 8am. Tuesday the 18th, 8am. See you there. Thank you for listening to me ramble on about my issues. Without further ado, let's get into the 14th episode of Broadway and Other Kiwi Dreams, guest starring Kim Garrett. Hello, welcome to Broadway and Other Kiwi Dreams, a podcast exploring the lives and minds of theatre practitioners in and around the New Zealand performing arts industry. I'm your host, James Shearer. Today, I'm joined by creative, teacher and mentor, Kim Garrett. Kim has had a very busy career in the industry by, in her words, simply saying yes to everything and continually adding strings to her bow. She's probably most well-known for her year-long stint as the badass CEO of Shortland Street Hospital in, well, Shortland Street. Kim joins the podcast to talk about what, or who, inspired her to get into the performing arts. We touch on mental and spiritual health and well-being, and Kim's desire to share her experiences in the hope of helping others. And of course, Kim details the ups and downs of life on the set of the most well-known Kiwi soap opera, Shortland Street. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, enjoy a conversation with Kim on Broadway and other Kiwi dreams. Hey Kim, how's it going? Hi, good. Thanks, James. How are you doing? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. How how's how's life treating you? Very very busy at the moment, uh, post COVID. So it's good. Yeah, that's 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 good to hear. How was the lockdown for you? It was really good, actually. I think um, a lot of people found it really good to be able to just have that time of stopping. 
I love work and I'm very busy and I don't often let myself stop. So to have a forced stop was beautiful. <laughs> it was yeah, really sure. wonderful. Just nice to have time with family and, and myself and doing a bit of soul searching and healing and, you know, things that I don't normally allow myself time for. So it was beautiful. Anything special that you got up to? Um, no, like I say, just sort of some self-work really. Yeah, stuff that I don't normally get to do. So a bit of deep, deep work personal work, shadow work, whatever you call it, you know, like um, that I've put off for a long time, mm -hmm. having tough convos with people and, you know, like big convos and especially with uh, Black Lives Matter and everything totally. that's going on, you know, lots of really fascinating things happening around the world. So lots of deep philosophical conversations with <laughs> with friends and family and colleagues. And yeah, so interesting times. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So let's jump into it. So I wondered if you have like a show or maybe even a person, like something someone said to you that inspired you to kind of get into this industry and and pursue this as a thing. For example, for me, the first show that I ever did was at high school and it was Chicago. And do you know Jason Tometi? Yes, I know of. I don't know him personally. Yeah, so he, he was the director of that show and he just inspired me to get into this world. Is there anything that happened early on that that kind of inspired you to get into it this is going to sound really funny but um you know how at primary school you mm -hmm. have artists that come through and tell stories or whatnot well there was one man I recall came to my primary school when I think I was eight or nine I think mm -hmm. and he was just a one-man band and he came in sat down in front of the entire school with some instruments and just himself some costumes that he changed in and out of and whatnot and I just remember seeing this one human change the entire feeling of my school which I come from a small town Fakatania, so mm -hmm. hard place hard place growing up hard times so yeah. it was unusual to be able to see joy there wasn't many opportunities for unified joy within the school and this one individual changed the entire atmosphere of the entire school and created joy for everyone just by telling story through song and characters. And I just thought he was magical and sure. I wanted to be as magical and have that power to be able to make people feel good. Mm. And it was from that one random guy coming into my school, telling stories in a magnificent way that I thought I could do the same. I could shift people's energies and and make people happy mm. so that was my thing yeah right back in primary school yeah sure <laughs> did you just come for the one time yeah just the one time and I just I'd never seen anything like it never been exposed to that sort of world you know performance in any sort of way so it was beautiful totally so speaking of growing up, did you perform at all in that stage? Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I was the kid at school that was forcing everyone to be a part of all of my crazy ideas. So I was bossy, sure, <laughs> very bossy. Yeah. And I had a lot of vision and a lot of creativity. And I um, managed to drag a lot of people into storytelling with me because I, I just wanted everyone to be storytellers after I was inspired. So I was the kid that the principal would come to and say, okay, we're going to do something at school assembly. Can you, can you make something up? Yes, I can. And I'd get a band of people together and basically be a bossy cow and <laughs> tell everyone <laughs> what they're doing, where they're going, what they're saying, how they're going to be. Yeah, um, totally. But yeah, I started creating in, in primary school. Yeah. I, awesome. I thankfully had a lot of um, good people around me that supported that mm. and allowed me the freedom and the scope to start 
being creative on stage in front of my little my little primary school which was cool and then I just carried on from there you know moved into intermediate and joined in and doing the stage shows you know that most intermediates do and Mm -hmm. high school you know like yeah just kept it going really kept winning all the awards (laughs) do you remember what shows you did Oh my gosh, we we would often collaborate and devise our own. Awesome. And I've always been a devisor, so I think it, that probably started right back from then. So yeah, we would uh, make little potpourri performances of of our own creations. Mm. Yeah, so always been a devisor. Yeah, awesome. So in my uh, research for this, I watched an interview that was like carpool karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> it was yes. such a cool interview called Tahu Taxi. Um, (laughs) and it was part in te reo, part in English. And Mm -hmm. I tried to use the subtitles for the te reo, but unfortunately the (laughs) subtitles thought it was Portuguese. (laughs) 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 So that didn't work, but I just, it was such a cool interview. And if anyone listening wants to check out that interview, I'll leave a link in the description. But in that you said that... Fakatane breeds creatives, which I thought was really, really cool. Do you think those roots have played a big part in your growth and where your life has led? Yeah, I definitely do. Yeah. Um, partially from my own personal life, it sort of helped me because um, performance and creativity was an escape from a reality that I didn't want. Yeah. but I couldn't avoid yeah. within my home life. Um, it wasn't the nicest, pleasant upbringing at all. And I think that was for a lot of people in Fakatani actually. Uh, definitely wasn't alone with that. And creativity yeah. just allowed me a, a form of escape and a way to process big feelings that as a little kid I didn't know how to process, you know, yeah. and, and you yourself being a creative know how confronting it can be for an individual to Definitely. you know it's really challenging to to discover your voice to discover your thoughts around characters and connecting with people from other walks of life that think differently to you or have different backgrounds to you or whatnot yeah and it was really good to be able to discover myself through creativity aside from my reality it allowed yeah. me to paint my own picture and tell my own story of my own life off stage as well. So I think potentially Fakatania could uh, do that for a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's a heavily Māori-based town. I'm not sure how much you know of Māori tanga or te ao Māori. We've always been storytellers. Yeah. Our history is an oral history. So it definitely breeds creatives just by sheer fact that that's where we were born. That's our Tūranga Waiwai, our place to stand, you know. So, yeah, a long line of storytellers. And I think yeah, that's totally. why we just started to move out into the cities and <laughs> and show off what we can do from little old small town Whakatania. Definitely. I think that's what's really exciting about what's happening now with Black Lives Matter is that those voices are being uplifted and being told. Yeah. And those stories are being told. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what extraordinary stories, right? Yeah, definitely. Oh my goodness, the history, the feelings, everything involved in this. And I'm really glad that they're being told as a collective, you know, not just black people, not just white people, but it's a global conversation now. And I think that's a wonderful thing. It really is. Yeah. I'm really excited to see where we go, where where humanity goes. Yeah. Me too. And as with anything big and political or or globally defining, socially defining, that's when the storytellers and the creatives come out and shine. So mm-hmm. I can't wait to see the results. You know, I mean, my goodness, during lockdown, seeing what creatives were doing already was 
fun. Did you follow many artists during lockdown, seeing what they were up to creatively? Definitely, yeah. All the songs being created yeah. in lockdown and videos, yeah. Oh my gosh, yes, I love all the Broadway stuff. I was just, I was lapping that up like a sponge. <laughs> yeah, Blackwell Theatre Isolation creation which is coming out soon i'm so excited yeah it's so cool i love what blackboard theater are doing totally i'm following them closely yeah they are definitely people to watch yeah we talked about growing up in high school and stuff so did you continue the performing thing straight after high school or was there anything else that you pursued in that time after high school, I had a bit of a rough time. I was homeless for a little while, so I was dealing with life. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so yeah, I was definitely. trying to get myself off the streets while still trying to get myself educated because I'm a geek and I love education. Yeah. Um, so I was just doing life for a bit there, which I think has really helped me as a performer. I don't know if you feel that way as a performer, trying to get yourself into as many communities or situations or scenarios in life as you possibly can. It just feeds into your performances always. You can't, it can't help but, you know. So yeah. I definitely think all artists should experience as much in life as possible um I, I don't recommend poverty <laughs> but I have experienced it so that really feeds nicely into a lot of a lot of the intense work and roles that I've done so I'm grateful for it all the same travel lots of lots of travel I was doing lots of um experimenting with who I wanted to be what I wanted to be doing I was also becoming a mum as well mm. you know so I had my first son and then um it was a serendipitous moment on the street watching a busker. I've always been drawn to music. Music is, oh, music is life. I love music. And found this extraordinary busker on the streets in the Manawatu. I joined and started busking with. Awesome. And afterwards he was like, gosh, you're really talented. You should be doing some sort of creative um, pursuits. And I was like, oh, I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, that's not, <laughs> that doesn't come from my world. What do you mean? Yeah. And he introduced me to drama school in the Manawatu. So I got to work with Bert Van Dyke, a powerful figure in the um, education of artists in New Zealand and Simon Theory and um, Alison Quiggan had a role in my, my education as well. And I just sort of fell into this world which yeah. I think was destiny yeah sounds like it yeah it, it kept going even though I tried to avoid it it kept going couldn't help it <laughs> yeah so that seeing that busker was that while you were homeless no no I right, managed was... to get myself off the streets yep, by cool. then yeah I was yep. working I'd been, been doing a number of jobs by then and mm -hmm. raising my son and yeah, yeah it was just um it was a really good part of my life yeah I think I had gotten myself into a position where I was ready for anything <laughs> yeah yeah opening all the doors yeah that's right and that's the thing is opportunities will present themselves all the time and you just have to be ready to take them and I thankfully was in a position where I was ready because it all cool. happened really quickly yeah yeah so what was that drama school in one or two uh it was at UCOL the Universal College of Learning and it was um I'm not entirely certain of the name of the course. It only had one year in the end and then the course was cancelled. Right. I was one of three people that passed. That opened me up to being offered a position at NASDA. Yeah. Uh, a number of drama schools asked me to join them, which was amazing. Asked The three of us that passed actually asked us to join them. And mm. so I had my pick of drama schools <laughs> yeah. and I'd never been to the South Island. So I was like, you know what? I'll go there. And I wanted to increase my knowledge with singing and NASDA just seemed like the perfect place to help me with singing and more exploration of myself, you know, that travel thing and <laughs> new Definitely. experiences. Yeah. That was in 2001, is that right? NASDA? Yeah. Started NASDA? Yeah. I came straight into second year, so I wasn't very popular. <laughs> that would have been 
near the start of NASDA, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. We were still out at the Teachers College then. And I think we were under the University of Canterbury then and we were still having majors. I don't know if you had acting major or singing major back then. Nope. <laughs> no, it was just a Bachelor of Performing Arts. Yeah, so we, I think we were the last of that line of, um, of drama school, yeah. Yeah. How was that experience with NASDA? Oh my gosh, it was amazing. Like I say, really tough. I don't like to do things easy in my life. I know I think I need to learn my lessons the hard way. But um, like I say, I came in and I went straight into second year, uh, which does not make friends easily. You know, there's so much that happens in the first year of drama school. And the rapport building, the bonding is just extraordinary, you know? And so for a brand new person to come in, Straight into second year, I hadn't done any of the time with anyone. And then I got the lead in the first production and, oh, you know, that didn't help my cause at all. And and then I started working professionally for the court theatre while I was still training in my second year. That didn't go down well with anyone. (laughs) (laughs) I've always sort of forged my own path. I remember being told by one of my um, drama teachers at the time, uh, when I was offered a role as Liette in South Pacific. And I turned it down to be a stage manager for a different production that I felt would help my education more and would lead me more down the path that I wanted to go. And I remember being told then, oh, well, you'll never make it in the industry now. You'll never get offered another role because you've just turned down the artistic director of the, <laughs> of the <laughs> theatre. Good luck for your career. And I remembered my cheeky self, of course. I've always known better. I've always known different. I've always known my own path. I just laughed. I just laughed in their face. (laughs) It's just ridiculous that you think my career is over. My career has only just begun, you know, and I couldn't be more right. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It it just kept going from strength to strength. Yeah. So I've always um, been a little bit cheeky. (laughs) (laughs) And NASDA definitely received a bit of my cheek. Yeah. Uh (laughs) But it was great for me. It was great. Everything that I needed. Cool. And you made tons of friends there and everything? Yeah, lifelong friends, you know. Eventually. From coming into second <laughs> yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the good thing is I've always had a solid foundation in knowing who I am. And mm-hmm. when you know who you are and you realize that you're not here to prove yourself, you're here to be yourself, people start to recognize that authenticity. And I think people ended up developing a respect for me just being me and knowing my path, knowing my vision. Yeah, they let me in eventually, thank goodness. <laughs> cool. So after NASDA, what was your kind of, oh, you, well, you said, that you started working with the court theatre while you were at NASDA. So was that your first professional foray into the world of acting and performing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you remember Tony McCaffrey? I do, of course. Yes. So (laughs) Tony McCaffrey and I became um, colleagues and we worked incredibly well together to the point where we co-founded a company, Different Light Theatre. At Mm -hmm. the time we were working with less mainstream works and then eventually we got into working with Mixtability where we now stay. I've I've since moved away from being an active member. I still support completely and Tony's still continuing the good work. But um, yeah, yeah, that's where I started, just working with Tony McCaffrey. He took me under his wing. He mentored me. He helped me professionally and we worked a lot together. I understood that I wanted to be in the theatre especially Mm -hmm. and I took on every role that you could possibly imagine. I just said yes to everything. Yes, I can stage manage. Uh, How do I do that exactly? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I can do lighting. How do I do that? You know, so I, I just took on... Like I say, be ready for the opportunities and opportunities constantly presented themselves and I didn't turn down anything. I just had to leave my ego at the door. If I want to work here, I need to learn from these people. And half the time it's just getting in the room, you Mm. know. So being able to be a stage manager with someone like George Henneday Mm -hmm. is 
just phenomenal, you yeah. know. So I'm working in the room with Rima Tewiata, you know, with uh, for me, I love Roy Snow, you know. So like extraordinary um, performers that I look up to massively. Eilish Moran, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, um, there's just too many to yeah. name. Yeah. And just being in those spaces being able to watch how they work and to be able to learn from them. I, I So I guess my studies didn't really stop with NASDA. They continued on through my openness to um, just being in the space, working with the people, just getting in the room, being yeah, sure. in the room, keeping my face around. So yeah. they, <laughs> so the court theatre really was my stomping ground. I've worked in every possible department and every possible capacity, and yeah. um, and I'm loyal, definitely loyal to the court theatre for, for the rest of my days <laughs> because yeah, of their, their care of me, yeah. Because they took a lot of flack, you know, they put me into a lot of roles and I did um, some extraordinary works. Lady Windermere's fan, you know, that they copped a lot of heat for having a Māori on stage. Um, so a lot of hate mail, a lot of racist um, mail came in and the court theatre were completely supportive. They've always really nurtured my growth as an artist, so I'll always be loyal to them. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah. And speaking of the different departments within the mm. court theatre, you also did a lot of kids shows with them. Yes. Yeah. And that comes to, uh, right back to your first question, who inspired me? Yeah, yeah, this definitely. beautiful man telling stories in primary schools, and so I've definitely been driven to hopefully repay that, you know, sort of pay that forward, and hopefully inspire young people, people really young, so that they are exposed to things that they might never have been exposed to, and they might. I mean, my goodness, the amount of times that I hear adults tell their children not to pursue something in the arts because mm-hmm. it's not a real job. Yeah. It's not financially viable and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. yeah. You've heard it all before, James, I hear. <laughs> <laughs> not really. Hey guys, future James here. Just wanted to clarify this a little bit because I don't in the episode. Um, my parents have always been super supportive of me and everything that I do. And have never said, don't do something because it's not financially viable. It was just an offhand comment. So, yeah, mum, don't be angry at me. <laughs> All right, back to the podcast. You have to be resilient. You have to you have to know this and you have to be... Um, I, I wanted to change that. I want to change that perspective. I wanted to show people that, no, you can make this. This can be a, a living. You can earn your bread and butter, you know, and you just have to work hard. And I guess you have to keep open to every element of creativity. Mm-hmm. You know, I, if I had just tried to pursue acting, I don't know if I'd still be here. Sure. You know, so I'm really glad to see that you are doing podcasts. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that makes me feel really happy because that's just another string to your bow because you're an, an awesome artist yourself, you know. So I love to see that you're continuing to add more strings to your bow as well. You know, that's great. That's great. That shows longevity. I think you're going to yeah. you're going to be a player in the game for a while, I imagine. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, too. <laughs> we'll sp- spread this podcast around and. We'll go far. Yes. We'll all go yes. far. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so speaking of the kids' theatre, I-, I wanted to speak to you about this because I have done kids' theatre as well with Playhouse and it's just such a cool experience to have mm. as an actor. Were there any kids' shows that were particularly meaningful to you? Yeah, definitely. Um and again, I'm a divisor, so all of the kids' shows that we did were devised by ourselves, which mm-hmm. which I love, and I think that's why they worked so well. It was when I started collaborating with Rutine Spooner, 
Mm-hmm. I'm sure you know of Routine. Yes, Routine in my first year of NASDA was our <gasps> devising <gasps> leader of our devised um, kids theatre. He's awesome. Oh my goodness, you are so lucky. Mm-hmm. What gold. You you that's a treat. That's yeah. a tohu. That's 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 a gift. A koha. Yeah, that's awesome. Um yeah, he's extraordinary. So once I started working collaborating with him and Holly Chapel Eason, who mm-hmm. to me is a powerhouse, oh my goodness, Manawahini yeah. in the creative industries. Oh my yeah. gosh. I, I hope you interview her someday. I would love to listen to that podcast. Yep, she's on the um, list. And, <laughs> oh, excellent. And Routine, yeah, he's extraordinary too. Yeah, definitely. Um, and as soon as we started collaborating together, it was the shows that we did, every single one of them that we created, because we decided to tell Māori stories around Canterbury, um, a very <laughs> risky decision, but it mm. paid off like you wouldn't believe. Uh, the first time that we did our tours, I think, was Maui in the Sun. Most times after our performance, is the principal or the coordinator who hired um, these shows or booked these shows came to us straight away and said, can we book you for next year? And we, we were like, we don't have anything for next year. Yeah. And they're like, but if you're creating these things, can we please book you for next year? And that just kept yeah. happening year after year. Can we book you again? Can we book you again? So I think being a part of those collaborations, telling Māori stories around Canterbury to tens of thousands of students who lapped it up um, mm-hmm. was wonderful because that really reinforced that New Zealand enjoys all stories, you know, yeah. not just um, not just playhouse stories or or um, I don't know what types of other stories go to primary schools. Gosh, I'm not sure. But yeah, yeah it was fa- really nice. Fairy tales and fairy tales yeah. and yeah, 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 those sorts of things. So it was really reassuring um, to do- to know that um, that Māori stories work well in that space too. And it must have been really special to see the Māori kids in the audience and see them kind of see their lives on the stage. Exactly. Uh, it was. It's interesting, actually, because this has come up for me a, a number of times lately, the fact that I represent Māori on stage in, in Canterbury. I hadn't mm. realised it, but uh, another wonderful artist who, another creative, Juanita Hippie, uh, I think is just, oh, my gosh, now she is. Oh, I, I don't even know how I get to be in her company sometimes. I just, <laughs> I look up to her so much. I really do. She's just such a wonderful, wonderful, powerful woman. And she even gave me credit the other day, which I was very embarrassed and humbled to hear about um, the fact that she didn't realize that Māori could be on stage, on a main stage in white <laughs> Christchurch. Yeah. You know, and so I represented that for for adults in Christchurch as well as to be able to go into primary schools and hear young children say, oh, you look like Moana, you know, <laughs> from, from the animated film yeah, Moana, so cool. you know, and oh my goodness, and, that, and she's like me. And so it, it is very a very privileged position that I've found myself stumbling into um, to be able to represent or be the face of Māori's on stage or in performance in mainstream performance. Yeah. Yeah, which I don't think many people have ever seen before or even thought was possible, let alone strived for. So I'm taken aback by that and I feel very humbled. It's it's a a difficult thing to to wrap my head around, you know, with me just being me, (laughs) you know, doing my thing to realise the the knock-on effects of that. Um, Yeah, I'm flustered now. I find it hard (laughs) to talk about Yeah, and I mean, it has come full circle and you kind of have become that man that came and inspired Lil' Kim (laughs) to 
that's awesome. Yeah. Can I just say, tick, mission achieved. Yeah. <laughs> We're done. That's beautiful. <laughs> we can... No, not done yet. Still got a long way to go. Yeah, totally. Totally. So we have some listener questions, which I posted. Oh my goodness on the facebook and the instagram this is so cute i love that you've done this <laughs> yeah if you ever want dear listener if you ever want to ask my guests uh, some questions or leave them some comments you can follow me on facebook and instagram at and other kiwi dreams do so <laughs> beautiful awesome what a great idea james thank you so the first question is from oscar days and he Hi, says oscar. hey kim do you have fun every day you do what you do? Just checking. <laughs> so I guess, I guess, do you have fun in your career and in your jobs? And I guess maybe the flip side of that, are there ever any tough moments that come along with that? Awesome question, Oscar. Um, I do have fun. Uh, actors are often called players and we do plays. So just by that word alone, I, I'm sure you imagine if you are a player and mm -hmm. just doing plays, then yeah, we get to play and have fun. And so by the nature of the beast, it's, it's great, but I'm a, I'm, I'm a storyteller. So to be able to get in a room with other storytellers and tell stories every day uh, for me personally, I can't imagine anything better. So going to work is nothing but fun. Yeah. yeah. And so hopefully, Oscar, you'll find yourself something uh, that you find fun and, and make that your job as well. Uh, the flip side of that, the other side of um, the when times do get hard, and this is where I'm talking about the resilience that actors need to have. Um, mm -hmm. When the work isn't there is tough. Totally. Then that's why I personally have pursued as many different aspects of creativity as possible mm -hmm. so like I say going into stage managing producing um directing writing lighting sound t just adding everything to my boat I even became a radio DJ you know <laughs> so right. I was a, a radio announcer for a while there yeah. and yeah just trying to get into as many things as possible to stay within the creative realms um is how I've managed to survive those times when there isn't necessarily acting jobs mm -hmm. yeah so I've had to find ways to stay happy in my job to stay creatively working uh, and that can be tough that can be tough yeah that's definitely the hard part <laughs> when the work dries up <laughs> yeah definitely and you know right now that is happening to a lot of actors to a lot of performers right yeah right oh my goodness yeah the opportunities that I had you know to potentially go over to LA to be doing these things and getting really excited about that you know these mm -hmm. things thinking oh wow this this vision of my life for this 2020 and then COVID yeah. and everything shuts down no one's traveling <laughs> probably not going to the US anytime soon that's the darn sure that happens you know where you think you've got a role and and everything's going to change and then it does but in a, <laughs> in a way that you didn't expect and that's where the resilience comes in you've got to roll with the punches you've got to have a thick skin you've got to have a tough skin to be able to to handle the rejections alone of the amount of auditions that you have to do my goodness you know do a hundred auditions you might might be lucky enough to get one you know? yeah <laughs> it's a tough tough industry so yeah it's it's not easy but as a real creative that's where you find alternatives, you know, that's where you start to apply your creativity instead of feeling down about the opportunities that you've missed, you start to think, well, what opportunities can I create for myself? And yeah. that's where I've found myself now. Yeah. Just mm. creating your own stuff and 
doing your own thing. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Creating a podcast. Why not? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why not? That's right. <laughs> there were two questions that will lead nicely into the next thing that I want to talk about. They are from Jack Hanrahan and Bree Rooney, who were both in my year level at NASDA. Um, and basically <laughs> their questions were, what was it like being on Shortland Street? <laughs> Which I'm sure is the big question in everyone's mind. Yeah, that's a question I get asked often. I really enjoyed my time on Shortland Street. I feel truly blessed and privileged to have been a part of such a long-standing show. You know, it's mm. a stalwart of New Zealand screens and to have been a part of that. I was only supposed to do three months, you know. I was contracted to do just a little three-month thing while Chris Warner was off overseas. I'd come in and replace him as CEO just for a few months, you know, and yeah. Thankfully, it, it was I was really lucky. The audience, I guess, enjoyed my character, and so I was offered another three months, and then another three months, and then another three months. You know, <laughs> I was really, really fortunate, and um, I loved being there. I love variety in my job. I love working with people, and I love things to be physical. Those three elements I usually like to have in anything that I do. And I did get to be physical on this. I got to do some stunt work, which was super fun. Um, awesome. Is that the like, first time you've done that? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, we've done some stage things, you know, yeah. like in some of our uh, some like of our sword stage shows. And stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but nothing like running and tackling a, a, a robber or something or watching TK getting shot or, you know, like all of these extraordinary yeah. things. And that's an aspect of the fast turnaround TV mm -hmm. that Shorten Street allows an actor. What I found is... You know, with with stage, you kind of have to wait till those types of roles come up, and that can be very few and far between. Where you can play someone who chases down a robber, or someone who has to deal with the trauma of a gunshot wound, or someone has to deal with the kidnapping of a daughter, or you know, like these things don't come up very often, and it would just be one element of those parts of story that you'd tell on stage you'd work three yeah. months for it yeah. you'd do it for three weeks and then it's gone sort of thing and then yeah. you're waiting again for a long time short and straight fast turnaround all of these storylines craziness happening yeah. <laughs> like i just used to look forward to reading my scripts every week just to see what madness i was going to be able to play this week you know yeah. so for an actor the vast array of of work that you can do on a drama on a soap opera is just delicious yeah, so totally. fun really really enjoyed it really challenging um I really enjoyed the fact that the fast-paced turnaround meant that I just had to stay on top of my game, stay mm. on top of your scripts, stay on top of um, how you care for yourself, like, you know, the self-care, managing yourself inside and outside. And I was in a very tough personal space during that time as well, which ended up imploding on me towards the end of my time there. Uh, my personal world just was <laughs> in a bad place at the time. Mm -hmm. um, it's now resolved itself, thank goodness, and I've done a lot of healing through that. But um it was tough to do that type of work, work, being in that space personally. Yeah, definitely. But but really rewarding. They'd be long days as well, weren't they? Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, yeah basically between Monday and Friday, you were owned yeah. by South yeah. Pacific Pictures, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I didn't mind at all. I'm a yeah. workaholic. I love it. Yeah. And the other actors, oh my goodness, the other actors are just phenomenal. Oh my gosh, if you ever get to work in that space with that team, they're mm. just the most beautiful people ever. I'd never experienced a makeup room like it. You know, my goodness, they they should be paid 
counselors as well you know <laughs> the, the way that they the way that they look after their actors you know yeah. is just I can't speak highly enough of the staff and the crew and the other actors there they're all phenomenal the directors oh my goodness I was just blown away by being a part of that yeah. really lucky yeah. really lucky and it really does springboard people as well yeah definitely especially young actors like yes I, I'm sure everyone knows KJ Upper now you know like absolutely right yeah it's just it's such a cool thing for young New Zealand actors to have that option to go into that and then potentially be able to be on a big Netflix show you know (laughs) I know I know it's extraordinary and that's the thing Netflix is calling at the moment and using New Zealand a lot so Mm. it's 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 a good place to be right now being in New Zealand as a as an artist yeah especially an artist wanting film and TV or or to be in Netflix. Yeah, it's a great space to be. And we're COVID free, so. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They're not not looking to the US. (laughs) No, I I think everyone's looking to New Zealand. I definitely think New Zealand is hot, hot, hot property at the moment. Everyone wants to be here. So, oh my goodness, I don't know how we're going to control that. I hope we can, (laughs) but, you know, we'll see how how it goes. (laughs) We'll we'll get there. We'll do it together. (laughs) Together. We talked about your character. I wondered how you kind of connected with that character because she is a badass, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> definitely. And obviously, you are too. So, how do Kim and that character kind of intermingle and connect? I think that she really spoke to me at a time when I was going through my own hikui or te reo with, um, you know, trying to find my place in my Maori tanga, you know, like in um, my whakapapa, you know, I was just learning all of this stuff myself and so this character came in uh mana wahine all right you're right and mm-hmm. um and fighting for maori and fighting for women and that spoke to me personally at that time like i say i was having a quite a difficult personal um experience at yeah. that time during during one of the best professional times of my life <laughs> <laughs> you know of course yeah there's balance isn't there yeah i really used her a lot to try and find my own strength and um so i really tried to connect with her strength and with her voice and her passion for maori tanga and her passion for wahine and um, her passion for raising Māori back to where they used to be, you know, colonisation has had a difficult, <laughs> a tough impact on Māori, and mm-hmm. um, and I like that she it was so based in her identity as a Māori that she knew where she came from, and Māori were great, you know, were phenomenal uh, business people, phenomenal within the community, phenomenal artists, phenomenal storytellers, you know, we're we're an extraordinary people, uh, we've just forgotten that, and so I'm really glad that she was in that place um, where she could speak and represent that for others, and I really felt powerfully connected to that, so I would often go down to the writers and and <laughs> fight for more real content within the piece, um, which they were extraordinarily receptive to. I really enjoyed the fact that we could have those conversations with the writers or with the producers about including things like matatini or matariki or um, just elements of um, Māoridom that are really socially important and yeah. I'm really glad that um, at the time the producers and the writers were really receptive to that I don't think that's changed I just I'm not <laughs> there to speak with them about it that's what I connected with and that's what I really tapped into and that's what I really fought for and so mm. I, I I might have made her a little more hardcore than she needed to be maybe I don't know because <laughs> I, I had my own agenda with her yeah, as well. yeah. <laughs> I mean that's what you can do as an actor you take a character that someone's written for you and 
you make it your own. Yeah, yeah. And like I say, the beautiful collaborative approach that I was allowed, you know, like, of course, the buck stops with the producer and the writers, you know, but just the fact that they were so open and so receptive to these conversations, I'm I'm just really grateful for, you know, that just really speaks to their values Mm. and where they stand, you know, and I just have a lot of respect and time for them because of that. Yeah. And you asked them to change some of the lines as well too today didn't you yeah yeah, like, yeah a little bit cheeky that's yeah. cheeky old kim again <laughs> trying to push the boundaries as always <laughs> yeah just lines that you know she wouldn't say in english yeah exactly she was a fluent real speaker and mm. her husband was also and her daughter and i just thought a couple of the places where they had her speaking english i just i asked for authenticity of her character and that family and that relationship and that dynamic would it be okay and and like i say they were just so wonderfully open and receptive and they allowed that sometimes you know if it worked for the story and we they have a real advisor as well so mm-hmm. we would always pass those lines through the real advisor as well just to make sure that everything was tika and um mm-hmm. Yeah, so sometimes it couldn't be changed but for the storyline, and that's fair enough, you know. My mm. gosh, I don't know what they're trying to tell. You know, <laughs> I didn't know the overall arc that they're keeping tabs on, you know. Oh, my yeah. gosh, I, it's amazing what they do. Sometimes I would win, sometimes I wouldn't. But overall, it was definitely a, a really lovely reciprocal relationship. I'm glad they responded and, and allowed me <laughs> yeah, to, to bring more real onto the screens. I'm sure they would have got some flack about that, you know. There's, <laughs> All of my career, I've had flack for what I do, so I'm sure they would have received some. <laughs> Sorry, Shortland Street. <laughs> <laughs> During that time, I think it was on an, in an article or something, but you said that it was a really hard decision for you because, of course, you had two sons. Yeah. You were raising two <laughs> children when you made that decision to go on Shortland Street. So how was that? making that decision. So that's where I was torn because as a mum, you want to create stability. Mm. You want to provide security for your children. And part of that, I believe, is making sure that they're safe within their education, making sure that they've got good community networks, you know, lots of support, lots of social networks. And they had all of that down in Christchurch. So they had both sides of the whanau. They had huge, awesome friend networks um, already well-established. They had great relationships within their schools. And I just, as a mother, I couldn't uproot them just for my selfishness of wanting their company, wanting to be able to wake them up each morning, you know, and share the morning with them before they go to school or feed them at night and put them to bed. You know, all of the beautiful things that make life worthwhile. Mm -hmm. I wanted that with me. (laughs) (laughs) But for them, I needed to make sure that they were looked after. And so um, thankfully they have an extraordinary father who stepped up and um, went above and beyond and played the role of mum and dad. and, um, (laughs) And he took took over the reins for a year and um my my mother also stepped in as well as you know all of all of the extended fano and uh, we managed to make it work i'd had a lot of trips down lots of flights down so if yeah. not every weekend every other weekend i yeah. was home because i just i needed my fix you know yeah, definitely. <laughs> so that was really tough mm. you know do i pursue something that works well for my career and forsake my family or do we try and make it work collaboratively and thankfully i have a wonderful supportive family that that said let's make it work so it was hard it hurt but we made it work um I'm, yeah. I'm just yeah I'm really humbled by the networks that I have the family that I have the support that I have yeah I wouldn't be where I am without without my family I'm yeah. very fortunate 
How old were they at the time? My, oh gosh, now you're taking me back. So this is what I finished. I finished last year. So I was on the year before that. So they would have, uh, my eldest would have been around 19. So he was, he was fine. Yeah. But my youngest would have been around 11, 12. No. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Gosh, I'm terrible. Oh my goodness. 12. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he'll tell you if, if you're wrong. <laughs> I know that they're 22 and 14 now. <laughs> yeah. I guess the good thing is that you, you'd, you'd pass the childhood phase. You, you, yes, you got past definitely, that. <laughs> which was which was the the key thing, which was what everyone told me. They said we're gonna be okay. Yeah. So, like I say, it was my own selfishness. I just I love being at home. I love mm. my family. You know. So yeah, yeah, it was just my selfish desires to keep <laughs> the best of my both my worlds. And and as you know, you know, artists, all artists must know this. You've got to go where the work is, and it can yeah. be tough. And I guess that's why a lot of actors don't become parents for a long time, you know, but I don't think I could do that. You know, I, I, family is just as important to me as, as my work. So I wanted to do them both (laughs) and I didn't want to, I didn't want to have a prescribed timing of doing that. I'm just like, why can't I have both? Why can't I do it all? I want it all. Yeah. (laughs) You know me always pushing boundaries. I'm going to do it my way. (laughs) So I've just sort of made it work. Yeah. Hmm. Tough though, tough for artists. Oh, definitely. Even just leaving their partners, you know, sometimes they they can't even be with their partner, you know, like even if they don't have children, it's tough to just leave your partner for a few months at a time, you yeah. know, my goodness, yeah. <laughs> when you go away and do a show, oh, I'm just going down to do um, hairspray, I'll be back soon, you know. <laughs> like, what, another one? I'm just going to California to take my company over to do a show. What, no. <laughs> you know, he's there. So you're always always missing out on birthdays or parties or, you know, the barbecues. You know the summer musicals and you miss out on all the barbecues that everyone's having because you have yeah. to go and do the show. Oh, yeah. yeah, you sacrifice a lot socially for yeah. this work. Yeah. So from what I can tell from, you know, talking to you, you're very – in touch with your mental health and also your spiritual health or your spiritual Mm. journey. Is that something that's really important to you to be in touch with those things? Yeah, I think, like I said earlier, I think that I've used performance as an escape, Yeah, you know, and then once I was there, I found actually we deal with a lot of trying to discover motivation. Mm. Why is this person saying this? Why is this relationship like this? Why is, you know, there's lots of asking why. And that I've always had a massive passion with health sciences in general, actually. I used to want to be a doctor. I pursued that for a wee while there. I've done a number of, a number of years of study towards that, which, trying to marry both of my passions. Which probably which is helps hilarious. with your, yeah, with your <laughs> role in Shorten Street. <laughs> I know. That's what I thought was so funny because I used to work at the hospital while I was um, studying uh, because I thought working in the environment would help me know how I want to specialize. And they mm-hmm. always used to tell me at the hospital, oh, you just need to get a job on Shorten Street. Don't don't become an actual doctor. Just go and be one on Shorty. And then I did it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just hilarious the way life works. Yeah. But yeah, it's always been a passion of mine. And um, thankfully, the arts, you know, just really helps you to pull apart the psychology of your character to really dig deep into the psychology of man, you know, mm. the nature of man. And by doing that, you can't help but apply that knowledge or that um, thinking to your own life. And I guess that's also um, kept me there. Trying to stay sane within this industry as well is really important. And so I realised that there needs to be a lot of self-care, which they don't teach you in drama schools. I think they might be changing that now. I think some things are shifting around that. I think they're really understanding that we need to hold artists in spiritually, mentally as well as, as just 
practically, you know, making sure that they've got a pay, which is really important. You know, a lot of artists will do a lot of work for free and we can't do that anymore. We've got to be acknowledged for our worth and that includes yeah. pay and stuff like that. But but also we have to be acknowledged for what we do. A lot of the times, especially on TV and film, you know, you have to come in and be in a space where, gosh, there's noise and hubbub of the tech doing what they need to do um, and no one's really concerned with where you're at, even though you're about to go in and play a scene where you've just lost the love of your life or something and you're trying to access emotions that most people hopefully would only have to experience once in their life Yeah, and you're having to do this repeatedly (laughs) take after take after take accessing these places and these emotions and I don't know how aware you are of what happens physically to one when they are in these mental places literally the human body its cells start to close down its body physiologically its anatomy changes it shifts so physically we are literally morphing ourselves changing ourselves creating stress putting huge stresses upon the body time and time and time again, day after day after day after day, and yet no one's looking after us afterwards. It's like, cut, and off you go, see you later. Can you be ready for the next scene? Quick, get into your next costume change. And it's just like, well, can I just have a moment to let go of the weight of Mm. these emotions? It's quite literally physical and mental and spiritual, yeah. So that's why it's become a huge aspect of things to me. I've seen too many of my friends be lost as well, you know, lost to suicide or other ways of coping through mental health, um, drugs and alcohol even, or even sex, you know, my goodness, the, the different forms of coping that people go through. And I just, I don't want that for our, our artists. And so, um, I've proactively worked on that myself so that I can get myself into a position where I can help others. I'm trying to do that with my theatre company now and also with my new job that I've taken on. Um, I've actually gone into suicide prevention, um, which I don't really like that term. I don't think that's a very useful term. I'm going to try. I'll I'll do my usual break boundaries and (laughs) and shake that up as well. Yeah, Yeah. but um, it's, it's really important to me and I hope that I can create some sort of safe practice for other artists and provide tools and whatnot for people to be able to start to tap into, um, especially as Māori, tap into wairuatanga, mm. you know. We're, we are so well looked after by so many energies that we don't even realise that I'm <laughs> – I may start to sound crazy now. <laughs> I am a spiritual person though, so, yeah, well, welcome. This is me. Yeah. I'm not here to prove myself. I'm here to be myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, um, yeah, this is definitely a passion of mine is, is trying to reconnect people with some level of spirituality, look after them mentally, physically, but also spiritually. Yeah. Those times when – you haven't quite let go of your character at night. So hopefully you may not reach for a, a glass of wine. Hopefully you may, I don't know, meditate or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm still working this out. I'm figuring out this next stage of trying to help other artists. That's my next goal. Yeah. It's, it's crazy that you bring that up, actually. I'm really happy that you brought that up because that's that's a massive part of my, my next journey. Mm. Yeah, that I'm trying to do. So awesome. <laughs> Good to be able to talk about it. Yeah, definitely. Mm. We spoke about your childhood. Do you think that? Mm mental health journey comes from that tough time in your life? Yeah, definitely. 100%. To this day, I'm still working through a Mm. lot of that. For me, you know, I've I've suffered abuse of all kinds, uh, everything imaginable. Uh, But the worst of all is the words, Mm. you know, words sit with you uh, on the scars of your heart and no one can see them. 
so no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you've got a broken arm, people care. They'll show you compassion. If you've got a broken heart, people say, get over it, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I want to change that. I want to yeah. change the way that we look after each other. I want to acknowledge um, these parts of us that we can't see that do need healing. And, yeah, and that has been a lifelong journey and it will continue to be a lifelong journey for me to continue this healing and growth and um and part of that for me is not only to do my own but to help others I think that's my duty mm -hmm. you know if I've gotten myself out of a place that I don't want others to be in then I think I need to not only be that guiding light for them you know like being that Māori on stage that shows others wait I could be on a main stage, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, not only to be that, but also to be, wait, I can heal my trauma. Yeah. You know, I'd love to be in a position where I can help people do that mm. as well, but using performing arts because I think it's just such a nice, gentle, easy way to access it. You know, it's yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah. It's play, you know, let's play to heal. Why do we have to, why does healing have to be so serious? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I personally, I don't want to go to a counselor, you know, and, and heal myself that way. I, I believe that we can heal each other through love, love, man. And I've got all the love in, in the world. I have love for days. So if I've got enough to share with myself and others, then let's do it. Let's try and heal, heal everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Even if I can just heal one i'll be happy definitely let, mm. let the trauma be the serious stuff and let the healing be the fun stuff that's right that's right man healing shouldn't be so serious you mm. know like, oh, i don't know it is a serious thing but you're right let the trauma be the serious stuff and, yeah. and let's access it and heal it in a fun way hoping here's hoping, here's hoping. <laughs> so obviously you're now really busy this year yes with all, with all that's going on but you have told me that you have wanted to start a podcast about kind of mental health and mental health within the performing arts. So do you want to talk a bit about that idea? And Yes, absolutely. And copyright it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will copyright it, especially after this conversation. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um, this is exactly right. Actually, I, I'm really glad that you reached out to me, James, because um, I believe that learning comes from everywhere. Uh, children, old people, my goodness, you never know where, you, where or who you're going to learn from. And you're approaching me to do this podcast, which I'm very <laughs> humbled by and grateful for. I, I was a bit shy. I was like, me, really? Why me? But yeah, I forget that I've, I've done, I've done a few things. You've done some yeah, stuff. Um, I've, done, I've done a couple of things. Yeah. I forget about that. And when you reached out, I thought, oh my goodness, this, this couldn't be more perfectly timed because I was thinking of doing this podcast because I believe it's really important to help other artists with mental health. And I could use my journey, my life to potentially, hopefully, fingers crossed, help others. Uh, so that's where that concept came up. And that's where I, I said, yes, I will help you if you help me. Yeah. And you have, my friend, thank you so much for all of the time and effort that you've gone into with helping me. Um, through your journey of how to set up and run a podcast. I hope that you help others. I hope that um, you not only do this for artists, but I hope that you also help others because it's your practical knowledge is great. And I hope that you'll do a podcast of, of that nature for others to help others um, set themselves up maybe in the future or yeah. something because your, your knowledge is just so valuable. But that's, that's what I have, a vision for the future. Um, and I'm looking at doing that with other artists, potentially creating something there where we can all collaborate, a space, a platform for 
for us to all be able to to discuss mental health um, in the arts and what we can do about supporting each other through our practices, new tools or practices or strategies that we can devise or come up with together um, as a community to work towards um, better mental health for all. So hopefully we don't lose our artists to suicide or drugs and alcohol or any of the other vices that we choose to escape with. And hopefully we can heal trauma. My goodness. A lot of actors I know have a lot of trauma, a lot of anxieties. I mean, we access huge emotion. Mm -hmm. We access dark places. Like I said, that hopefully people only go to once or twice maybe in their lifetimes, hopefully. And we do this on the daily again Mm -hmm. and again and again. So... Uh, It's just keeping ourselves safe in those energies. That's my goal. And hopefully this podcast that I'll eventually (laughs) come around to making after I copyright this concept, (laughs) hopefully this podcast will come about in uh, 2021. Yeah, keeping up for that in 2021. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess coming to the end, you did just touch on it a little bit. But this podcast is called uh, Broadway and Other Kiwi Dreams, and that's based around acting as a professional career. And the question is, what is your Kiwi dream? Oh, my Kiwi dream. I think I'm at the point in my career where I have achieved, I've ticked so many of the boxes that I wanted to tick for myself personally, professionally. Um, that I'm feeling pretty happy with where I am personally. I know that I've got further to go and I know I'm going to continue to tick more boxes. But I think I'm in a position now, I'm realising where I can help others. As much as I like to resist responsibility, (laughs) (laughs) I like to avoid it at all costs normally because I like my freedom. I think I'm finally at a position where I think I'm ready to proactively work with other artists and try to uplift other artists Mm -hmm. so that's my goal I think now is to start to work with others collaboratively to get them to where they want to go you know what is it they want where do they see themselves and how can I help them get there I think that's where I'm finding my energies are better spent at the moment Awesome. Your Kiwi dream is to help others achieve their Kiwi dreams. <laughs> Isn't it cheesy? It sounds so cheesy. Oh, that's no. Great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel like such a geek. But yeah, that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. This whole podcast is cheesy, so who cares? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, well, that is it. I, my Kiwi dream is to help others realize their Kiwi dream. Awesome. Definitely. And with that, thank you everyone for listening. <laughs> and. <laughs> We will talk to you next week with another amazing guest. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kim and gained some insight into life as a Shorty Street star. You can find Kim on Facebook by searching at Kim Garrett Official. As I said in the episode, if you'd like the chance to ask a question, head over to Instagram or Facebook and search at and other Kiwi Dreams. Keep an eye out for some story posts where you'll be able to do so. If you'd like to support me and the podcast, you can head over to Patreon and also check out the website. Both of those links are in the description. I will talk to you again in two weeks' time with another guest on Broadway and other Kiwi dreams.